Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your Wimbledon Day 5 and Day 6 Tennis Catch-Up. Hello everyone and welcome to The Passing Shot. I'm Joel, the Wandering Wildcard, and as always, I'm joined by Kim, the self-confessed Queen of Clay, and on today's episode, we are going to be looking back on the week that was at Wimbledon, looking at round three of the men and women's draws uh, over the last couple of days, as well as previewing uh, what's to come in week two. Uh, Kim, how are you doing? You've been at the tennis this week, I've been at the tennis this week, and I think you're going back to Portugal tomorrow, so are you, are you, sad, to be, are you sad to be leaving us? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm, I'm really sad. <laughs> I want to go back to Wimbledon. It's so addictive. It's like, it's like a drug. You just want more and more and more. Like, Grand Slam Tennis is just the best. Um, yeah, I was at the Hill watching Dan Evans uh, until about, well, 9.15 yesterday, and then as I left the gates, I was like a bit emotional um hopefully back next year for more but yeah it's uh it's going to be the tv for me for the next week to uh, watch all the action now but i've had i've had a good week i've enjoyed myself sleep deprived now but it's been it's been worth it and i mean what a match to end on in terms of the dan evans and um dan evans and oh my god i've even forgotten his opponent Jean dan evans Salza. and Shall, shall, see, do you know what? I've been trying to get him out of my mind because I'm just so annoyed at him, so what? angry at him. Annoyed at Shao Salza. from my brain. Oh, yeah, he's so the first Portuguese back, player uh, to reach and, and the beating. fourth round at Wimbledon, Joel. So. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Yeah, but it's just so frustrating for Dan. He was, I think he was up a break in like every set. He was. Yeah, I, I, I felt like, you know, from the beginning, I think he was 6-4, up and I thought, oh, well, wow, Dan's going to get this in straight sets. Like he's playing well, you know. And then just Zhao Souza just did not go away. He was very sort of scrappy and fighting for like everything and just like a bee that you're trying to bat away but just wouldn't, you know, disappear. And I mean, Dan had his chances. Like he served, I think, was it for the third set? And then, you know, he did well to, to take it to five. Like, he, you know, he didn't sort of collapse or anything. So it was just frustrating, I think, that it ended so quickly on that like first match point. I just felt it definitely warranted a bit more drama at the end there. Um, you know, and I was wondering, oh, could we have our first 12 or fifth set tie break? You know, um, but it was not to be. It was not to be. It's probably better because then I could get home and get some more sleep. But uh, I mean, well, Dan did really well. I mean, I think it was certainly a winnable match. I think he will be very disappointed that he couldn't quite get over the finish line. Yeah, I think that's the thing for me that's the most 
annoying thing is that this was definitely a winnable match for Dan Evans. You know, he's going into the third round. I think he exceeded you know, everyone's expectations, uh, you know, coming into the tournament. But, you know, when you have that, you know, a matchup against someone who's not really a, a known for being a grass court player in the third round to get to the second week, uh, you know, to face, I think... Rafa Nadal in the next yeah. round, yeah, is it? Or, or Federer? No, it's, it's it Rafa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's just oh, it's just so it's just very frustrating. Yeah, I would have loved to seen Rafa against Danifans. I think that would have been quite interesting. Um, and I, you know, was sure that would have been like last on centre as the marquee match, but it's not to be. It's not to be. Um, you know, Dan getting to the third round though is is very good. Um, I think my prediction that he would be the the Brit to go furthest has obviously been proved wrong because Joe Conta is in the fourth round, which we'll get to a bit later. But um, let's let's talk about some of the other other sides of the uh, the men's draw from yesterday. We had Rafa, as we just said, into the fourth round. His match against Songa was a bit of a damp squib, I suppose. It, people might have expected something more competitive from Songa, but I think Rafa just sort of played extremely well put him to bed and then into the fourth round he goes which is great <laughs> yeah I mean it was complete opposite to um his previous round match against uh Kyrgios and yeah I was expecting a bit more fight from Songa I, I was kind of looking at the match statistics before um you know after the match and I don't think Songa even had one break point um so it just shows you how well Nadal is playing and you know I do wonder actually you know looking back at the clay season you know the fact that he didn't win you know absolutely every single tournament has that actually put him in you know in a better position coming into the grass court season when you know he hasn't had as many you know matches on a clay court is he feeling a little bit fresher Um, because he's certainly playing tennis that you know on a grass court that is like almost like the Nadal of old, it doesn't look like, you know, he's going to be upset by, you know, Dustin Brown or, or, or whatever. <laughs> it just kind of looks like, you know, we're almost going to be, I mean, that, that, that semi-final matchup between Federer and Nadal is getting, is getting closer. And, you know, looking at how both of them are playing, it feels a very realistic uh, prospect. I know. And in which case I'll be uh, annoyed at myself for not taking up my mum's offer of the Wimbledon semi-final tickets that she oh, got in the yeah. ballot. <laughs> but hey, I mean, yeah, I just want Rafa to get there, to be honest. And yeah, I do think it is looking more and more likely. And in in which case, that would be two slams in a row that we, we've had a, a Fedal matchup, which would be quite exciting. Um, I mean, people, a lot of people are saying the courts are playing slower and that's therefore, you know, helping Rafa. But I think, you know, Rafa's just playing very well and I think having this tough draw has, has made him play well and it's probably actually helped him rather than playing you know sort of very uh you know uncompetitive like non-grass court players like having to have to play Kyrgios has actually maybe done him a favor um but we'll see still still two rounds to go before we get to the semi-finals uh, another player that will be in the fourth round though is uh in-form grass quarter Matteo Berrettini 17th seed he uh, he defeated Diego Schwartzman, uh, saving two match points in the fourth set. So that was a cracker. I could hear all the shouts coming up from court 18 as I was uh, there yesterday. Another grass court specialist yes. in Diego Schwartzman, we might, we might add. But uh, yeah, Berrettini, I mean, we were kind of talking about him, you know, 
before Wimbledon, kind of earmarking him for for good things in the tournament, and um, he's living up to he's living up to that billing. Uh, as you said, came through Schwartzman in five sets, great match, um, and yeah, has has come on uh, and now I think faces uh, faces Roger Federer, and I think that will be. I mean, for me, that will be a tighter affair than Nadal Souza, in my opinion. Do you but, think? Um, mm. Well, I hope Berrettini's not sort of fatigued from from his match, and you know, this is the deepest he's gone in a slam. So I'm hoping it's like the occasion doesn't get to him. I think he he's idolised Federer, so I think he came out and said, "Oh, I've got to stop supporting him now because I'm playing him." You know, um, I mean, Federer himself beat Luca Puy very comfortably in three sets. Um, so I don't think we need to spend much time talking about that match. It was very straightforward, I think. Although I think um, Pui, did he have a set point in the second set? I was like scoreboard watching and I could see he was close at one point or was it the first set? I'm not sure, but but Fed came through that one. Um, elsewhere, we had Fabio Fognini losing to everyone's favourite player, Tennis Sangren. Um, and that was out on court 14, which he wasn't very happy about, was he, Joel? Not at all. Uh, he he was very frustrated. I mean, he cut a very frustrated figure, I mean, through the whole match. Um, I don't know if, if anyone else has anyone else picked up on it, but certainly the, 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 the British news have um, in terms of Fognini actually said that he wanted to bomb uh, court 12, sorry, court 14, and um, he just, yeah, was not happy that his his match was like put on such a such a tiny court, which, you know, I, I, do you know what? I actually kind of agree with him on that. But the way he kind of went about it, uh, it just, uh, you know, he obviously let it get to him. And yeah, tennis sangrine. I mean, this guy, I don't think he'd won a match since like Auckland earlier in the year. I think he was on like a nine match losing streak. Now finds himself in the fourth round at Wimbledon. I mean, a very yeah, very surprising. I, I don't even know what I'm more surprised by. The fact that Tennis Sangren is in the fourth round or it's Sangren versus Sam Querrey for a place in the Wimbledon quarterfinals. I mean, it's just... Well, I mean, Querrey's maybe not so much of a surprise, but Tennis Sangren certainly is. Having not won a match since Auckland, which was in January, like how on earth has he reached the fourth round at Wimbledon? Um yeah, I mean, let's... And then the winner of that would play the winner of Rafa against Sousa. But anyway, uh, Fabio Fognini, I think he should just shut up and get on with it and stop whining because he's not won a slam. You know, yeah, he's a top 10 player, but he's not exactly a massive name. So like, yeah, okay, you're scheduled on court 14, just turn up and play there. Like, I don't have sympathy for players who moan about their court assignment. I just think... You know, there are other, like, obviously that negative energy that he spent moaning about court 14 just led to him losing in straight sets. And, uh, you know, um, and that talk of a bomb, I mean, that's just insensitive. It's just stupid. Um, although, interestingly, Joel, I think <laughs> I think you found out that uh, it's also historically insensitive because Wimbledon was actually attacked by a bomb back in the Second World War, which I didn't realise. I, I never knew that. Um, 1940, five German bombs struck the site and destroyed 1,200 seats on centre court. So there we go. Uh, I didn't know that bit of bit of historical fact as a result of Fognini's comments. So uh, I don't. To be honest, I don't <laughs> think Fognini knew that as well. I don't but, think uh, he was. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was trying to, uh, you know, go down that route. But anyway, he's out of the tournament and. Uh, <laughs> 
also, also, I was just going to add to that. He also, I think, rather hilariously in terms of he had to take a medical timeout because um, he punched his racket, um, you know, with his, his knuckles and he actually bloodied his knuckles when he punched his racket to the ground and then had to take a medical timeout for um, to get his knuckles looked at. Um, which I thought was quite funny, but um... he's done a usually then, like <laughs> you know, when usually smashed his racket <laughs> against his head and didn't it bleed it? Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Um, in other news, yeah, in other news, Kane Shikori, he came through comfortably in straight sets again. He hasn't dropped a set all tournament. Um, who's he beat? Was it Steve Johnson? I think in straight sets. Um, and actually, Kane Shikori has won his last 17 matches at Grand Slam level against everyone except Djokovic and Nadal. So, you know, he's very consistent, actually, and he's only losing, you know, to the players that you would expect him to lose to. Um, And he is the only player this year, along with the big three, to have made the second week in all three Grand Slams. So he's actually having, like, a surprisingly good season, although doing it, I think, quite quietly, um, just in terms of being consistent. Definitely low key. Maybe he doesn't get the the um, he doesn't get the praise that he he deserves because yeah he is carrying out some very consistent grass court tennis at the moment. Not dropped a set. I mean, when's the last time we can say that we were able to say that about Nishikori in a Grand Slam? Um, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, he's now in the second week, doesn't seem that he's got any injuries. Um, you know, plaguing him, which I you know I think. You know, certainly some points in the season, it kind of looked like that. But um, yeah, he's definitely got a you know good, good shot at, at, um, at uh, going yeah going further in the tournament. And then going back to Friday's action, we had Djokovic coming through against Hubert Hercaj. That was actually quite an entertaining match. I saw a bit of that, and Hercaj was sort of flying around all over the place. Um, I'd never really seen him play before, so. I was quite impressed. Um, he took a set off Djokovic, but but came through. Uh, well, Djokovic came through in the end in four sets. Um, and then we had Guido Peya beating Kevin Anderson, last year's finalist, in three sets. So another, you know, obvious grass court specialist, Guido Peya, doing <laughs> doing well coming through that. Um, I mean, Anderson, yeah, he hasn't really played an awful lot this year, you know, so I wasn't expecting him to go that deep, but I certainly didn't expect him to lose in straight sets to, to Guido Peya. No, and and Kim, as we said, Peya is the he was the what was he the king of the golden swing? Yes, on, on golden the, the swing king in South America. <laughs> yeah, back in back in earlier this season. And but yeah, we're not really talking about Peya as a, a player who can you know do serious damage on on a grass court. But yeah, took out Anderson in straight sets and has actually blown that quarter wide open in terms of uh, you know in terms of someone who's going to reach a semi final. I think you've got to put. I think you've got. Payer there. I think he plays Rayanic, Ryanic uh, next. Raonic. Um and then the other Raonic. Sorry, Jamal's <laughs> being uh, called Raonic out Peyer. for his pronunciation of Milos Raonic many times before, <laughs> and I probably have got it wrong as well. So <laughs> I'm just trying to say it every way possible so that we've <laughs> so basically don't got anyone. a music <laughs> correct once. Yeah, um, and then you've got also Pe- Benoit Pair versus uh, Bautista Agut. So. One of those players is going to reach the the semi-finals because yeah, Anderson Anderson's fallen by the wayside and it's kind of yeah opening up an opportunity. 
Hatchinov as well lost to RBA because he, and you we'd sort of said in the last pod, oh, Hatchinov could be a dark horse going on here. <laughs> and then he goes and loses in straight sets. So, you know, so much for our fantastic predictions. Um, and yeah, Raonic came through against Apelka as well, didn't he? But which we sort of had tie breaks written all over it. But I mean, Apelka's serve must have been really off because he got broken several times in the last two sets. Yeah, big time in this. Yeah, in those final two sets it was kind of a, a bit of a washout but mm, um yeah yeah that 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 part of the draw um yeah certainly semi-finals is um completely wide open and I think to all the Novak Djokovic fans it's like you know it's music to their ears because I don't think he can face anyone in the top 20 until potentially Renic in the semi-finals who I think he's got like a nine and oh head-to-head record against so you know it feels like his draw has been very very easy so far I mean apart from maybe a minor hiccup against um her cash um he's got a very I'd be very surprised if we don't see him in in the final um you know come come Sunday yeah agree definitely um let's go on to the women now so yesterday I suppose the biggest the biggest talking point was Joe Conta from a British perspective, coming through against Sloane Stevens again. <laughs> so it's the fourth time this year that she's beaten her. And I was thinking, oh God, you know, she went a set down. I was thinking maybe Conta's just not, you know, not showing, you know, the Conta that we need her to be um, to overcome Stevens. But she pulled it back. She pulled it back. It seemed tight, didn't it, in the second set? And then when we got to the third set, she just kind of walked over her 6 1 in the third. So. Um, really good from Contra and well she's got Kvitova next so I really don't know what to expect from that one I, I think I will go into that with you know Kvitova being the favourite of course but um, I think hopefully Joe can just go for it see what happens I I watched that Conta Stevens match and you know to be honest Stevens played the better tennis for I would say you know 1.75 sets mm. um, she was very close to pulling out the victory. I think the pivotal moment was two all in the second set, Conta serving. There were like eight juices. Stevens had break points. And I just kind of felt if, if Stevens had taken one of those opportunities, I think she would have run away with it with a straight sex victory because Conta was getting um, agitated. She was looking at a box. She was kind of being quite vocal on court, which we don't normally see. Um, you know, she was looking like she was getting a little bit flustered. But um, yeah, it just showed, I think it just showed, it showed me actually how, how much, you know, Conta's game has come on this season. And, you know, she was able to work out how to beat Stevens on that court. You know, Stevens was playing the better tennis, but she was able to turn it around. And, and when it got to that third set, you know, Stevens basically just did not have a, did not have an answer for her. Yeah, much to the delight of the British crowd. So <laughs> um, Conta is our last remaining Brit in the singles. So into the second week. Great stuff. Um, Harriet Dart, of course, she she did as expected and lost very comfortably to Ash Barty. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone sort of expected it to be anything but that. Like, no offence to Harriet Dart, but uh, she got kind of annihilated out on court. Um, I mean, how far do you think Harriet Dark can go, Joel? I mean, it seems that every time she gets up against a really top opponent, she has absolutely nothing to, to sort of, you know, challenge them <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Yeah, I I mean, as you said, like the 
it, it was you know six one six one. It felt very similar to you know, Harriet Dart when she played Sharapova in Australia and she got like double bageled. Um, and I think she's a you know she's obviously a very good uh, tennis player, but I'm you know I'm waiting to see you know she needs to have like an almost she needs to have an X factor. You know, I, I think she needs to. There are things that she can work on in terms of her strokes. I think particularly in terms of her serve. Um, you know, I, I kind of see her more in the Heather Watson category of of British players. I think she could be a top fifty player um, uh, at the moment, and I think yeah, she's going to have to work particularly hard on her game um, to you know to go to go higher than that because yeah, players like Barty. You know, they would. She just, she, she just ate her up. I mean, she just did not have any sort of um, ways to hurt Barty. You know, having said that, Barty did play really well, and she's been playing well all tournament. She is one of the favourites. She is world number one, lest we forget. So, you know, I think Harriet Dart is a. You know, there's a good tennis player in there, but she's certainly got you know things that she can she can work on. Yeah, for sure. And Barty will now play Alison Risk, who won a three set tussle with Belinda Bencic. So uh, again, sort of that was a cracking match. I think you know, Risk is such a grass court specialist. <laughs> like she's great. She fights so hard. Um, you can never count her out from matches. So I'm I'm intrigued actually to see what she's going to do against Barty. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. Um, so yeah, good for Alison Risk. She has backed up her kind of pre Wimbledon form with her. Uh, two titles that she won on the grass. Um, we also had the fourth seed Kiki Burton's losing yesterday to Barbora Stritzkova. Um, to be fair, Kiki Burton's hasn't really looked in the best of form all tournament. She she could have lost in the second round to Taylor Townsend, but she you know saved a match point and came through that one. So again, I don't think this was an amazing surprise, but I know you're quite disappointed, Joel, because it would have been Burton's Mertens in the fourth round. And we do love a bit of Burton's versus Mertens, don't we? <laughs> Yeah, we, we do. We do. So I'm, I'm a bit disappointed, but yeah, fair play to Stritzkova, who you know had a had a good game that you know um, that uh, Burton's couldn't couldn't match, and um, yeah, not totally not totally surprised. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I mean, moving on, I, I saw uh, yesterday as well. We had Serena Williams yep. against uh, Gerges of Germany, and actually, Serena looked a lot better than I think. You know, I, I, the of what I saw of her in, the, in kind of the first two rounds, she looked a lot better. She seemed to have raised her game against her, you know, a quite a potentially quite dangerous opponent. Um, you know, I was, I was actually potentially looking at that match thing based on Serena's, you know, matches before and thinking that could be a potential upset. But um, yeah, Serena came through that in straight sets and I think goes on to face Carla Suarez Navarro, who again, I, I don't think we've, we've, we've not even spoken about this. Uh, <laughs> CSN. Yeah, this, um, no, I saw some yeah, of her matches. We match, haven't even spoken about this week, but she's. Yeah, she won against Lauren Davis. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, it was quite one sided. Davis really wasn't playing her best. Um, I saw the end of that match. Um, I mean, I don't think Carla is going to upset Serena, but, you know, uh, we will see. We will see. I think Carla's never, never beaten Serena. So I, I expect Serena's going to make the quarters. But, um, but we also, yeah, we also had Yastremska on Friday. So she's, what, 19? She's uh, kind of up and coming one to watch. I think she reached the final of the girls singles like three years ago at Wimbledon. Um, so she won through in the four, uh, yeah, she won through into the fourth round. She will now play, um, I apologize for my pronunciation, Zhang Shui, who beat Wozniacki <laughs> um, from four love down in the first set. She came back and 
beat Caroline Wozniacki. Wozniacki was getting all uppity about Hawkeye, wasn't she? She was saying, you know, um, well, she was just basically saying that she didn't agree with the the Hawkeye decision on, on several calls. Um, and to be fair, she has a point because Hawkeye is known to be only accurate by a certain margin. Like there is a margin for error, isn't there? So, you know, <laughs> technically, can we trust it 100% of the time? Probably not. Yeah. And and also, was the Aki, as well as not agreeing with Hawkeye, I don't think she agrees generally with Court 2. Mm. I think she's now lost on Court 2 2010. 2011, 2013, 2015, and now 2019. So there's something about Court 2 that obviously brings out the worst in her game because, uh, yeah, Zheng Shui came through. And, you know, I think she's a bit of a surprise package because I don't I think she came into she came into Wimbledon not having won a grass court match, I think. Um, so, uh, yeah, very, very, uh, you know, a place to the quarterfinals between uh, Zheng Shui and Yastremska. Um, you know, I, from what I've se- I mean, from what I've seen, I, w- I guess I would back Yastremska. I thought she looked very good in the match I saw her um, against. Oh, was um, it Golubic she beat, I think, wasn't uh, it? Golubic. But that will be the 22nd Grand Slam in a row to feature at least one unseeded player in the quarterfinals of the women's singles. So... Again, I think we did all say that there probably would be an unseeded player um, making it that far, you know, at the start of the tournament. I also saw a bit of um, Carolina Mukova, who beat Annette Contevay in straight sets. And I was quite impressed with Mukova. I mean, it was quite close in the first set and then she went off court to have an injury timeout and then she came back and won the tiebreak and and I think won the last set, like 6-3, 6-4. Um, but she now plays Pliskova. Um, who herself came through a bit of a tussle with uh, Su Wei Shea, who's always, you know, incredibly awkward to play. And I think Pliskova was asked afterwards in her press conference, like, you know, what are you, you know, you've got Mukova next. What what are you expecting from that one? And she kind of said, well, it can't possibly be any worse than playing Su Wei Shea. So <laughs> um, I think she was quite relieved to make it through that one. I Actually, I think I've, I, in the, I think in the, the pre-match conference with Pliskova, I think she said like, uh, Sue Shui would literally be like the worst hitting partner because, you know, she's such a unique talent that, you know, she doesn't really give you a, she's not really like anyone else. So in terms of like, you know, having a hit with her, she's like not any, anyone's go like go-to person. I suppose, I mean, it would be great to hit with her so that you could then, you know, if you ever ended up playing her, you'd have like more of an understanding of how to play her. But I suppose it wouldn't really be very helpful for 99.5% of players on the women's tour. <laughs> so I, maybe, I guess, well, I guess she must struggle to um, to find practice partners, maybe, you know, in terms of being from other players. Um, but yeah, we also had two other kind of marquee matches, I suppose. Halep Azarenka, that was built up as being, you know, it was going to be a, a great, highly competitive match. But sadly, it just did not happen. Azarenka was very off. She was very hot and cold. Lots of unforced errors. So Halep came through in straight sets, just got kind of better as the match went on. And yeah, I was quite disappointed actually with Azarenka's performance and and that match. Yeah, I think she would have been as well because she played so well against Tomjanovic in the, in the round previously. And it looked genuinely like she could cause an upset uh, against Halep, who, you know, is not the best grass court player. I think we associate her more with, with a clay court. But um, yeah, Halep came through 6-3, 6-1. I... Yeah, I was just very disappointed. And, and for me, it's kind of like, as you said, Kim, Azarenka, I think 
in in terms of players on the tour, I think she's one of those who just goes from hot to cold so quickly. Um, I think she hit like 33 unforced errors in just over half an hour against Hallett. And, you know, it's it's just almost like, yeah, it was almost a bit of a, a surprise package. And um, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit disappointed with that. Um, but yeah, Simona Hallett moves on. And again, she's got a very interesting match against the talk of the town, Kim, uh, Coco Goff, who came through um, Hertzog in her um, round three match. Very entertaining match on a Friday night. I think it was like that. I think so far it's been the most watched match um, in terms of TV ratings at Wimbledon. She saved match points. Uh, did you have a chance to watch it? I watched it at home and it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I was. I was watching. Um, oh, I was on another court. I was there on Friday, and I was. I don't know. I was probably watching. Oh, I was watching Jamie Murray's mixed doubles and everyone, <laughs> I was on court three and like everyone was just on their phones, like watching the live scores on the app from the golf match. And then when she took the second set, there was like a little cheer, you know, in court three, everyone was like, oh, um, like in the middle of, you know, the bloody rally. So <laughs> um, everyone was like, you know, kind of focusing on it. And then we went off to the hill to watch the end of it. And honestly, like, I mean, I've not been on the hill for sort of, that many matches previously but it was absolutely jam-packed like you couldn't you couldn't park your bum anywhere like you just had to sort of clamber onto the steps and the stewards were you know they normally say keep moving keep moving and they you know everyone was just kind of coagulating around the screen it was just uh, I've never seen it so busy and like the roar that went up you know when she won was more than like any cheer that I've heard for a British player um, from the hill so it's really got everyone kind of everyone seems to be behind her. I just love the story, love the sensation. I mean, the media obviously fueling it and fueling it. But I mean, the only thing I would say is in that last set, it was like a ridiculous amount of slice going on. Um, neither player seemed to want to go for it. And I was just kind of getting a bit sick and tired of it. Um, but you Felt know, like I was I, watching a Monica <laughs> Nicolescu match. I know it was just too much. And I, I'm glad it kind of, I'm glad she won when she did and it didn't go on and on and on. Um, but yeah, I mean that very entertaining. I'm, I'm unsure what to make of, of what she's actually going to do against Halep though. I mean, no offense, but her opponents, you know, haven't been, I mean, Venus Williams, yes. Okay. Five time champion, but she is not the Venus Williams that won the tournament back when she did. So Halep's going to be a different kettle of fish, I think. And, uh, you know, I would expect Halep to win. It might be quite, um, it could be an embarrassing, it could be an embarrassing defeat, uh, possibly, um, oh, are you think? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, we're terrible at predictions, but I mean, I, I would like the Coco Golf <laughs> dream to continue. I think it's it's a it's a great story. But um, and interestingly, I think Coco Golf now has more like Twitter followers than Ash Barty, which is a bit insane. But I mean, it's just it's kind of wow. a sensation, isn't it? She is a sensation. So you know, we do have to to talk about it. I just don't want people to like put so much hype on her you know it's we've seen this before and there's like so much hype and the media just get behind it and it can you know it can ruin ruin players um so I just hope that people just let her do what she needs to do in her own time I agree because I I I noticed that you know with with young players I think there are like there are um rules in place that limit their exposure and I think the reason for that is with this sort of thing in mind in that, you know, we, we don't, you know, we, we, 
you know these players are coming onto the scene making a you know big bang in terms of their entrance but we don't want that over you know we don't want that like over almost that overexposure that like yeah hype to go you know to 11 because you know it might just kind of you know tip you know it might just be too much you know too much for them and you know i think there will be i think that we will be one of the questions is you know after wimbledon you know what what does coco Goff go and do does she you know how does she kind of balance that sort of exposure without kind of you know believing all of the you know all of the hype that's you know already out there yeah she needs to stay level headed but it, it seems like she is quite a down to earth like very mature person for her age i mean i mean i can't even imagine you know being like her when i was 15 so i think she's got you know good people around her like her family and her team and stuff so i just you know we'll have to wait and see um see what she does at the us open um you know because obviously she's gonna get a world cup there isn't she so that will be um intriguing and i don't know what yeah what tournaments she will I guess she'll play the premier event. I think she's only allowed to play maybe five more tournaments in the next year. Um, something something along those lines. So she'll have to pick wisely. Um, let's go on to the uh, the other talking points from the last few days. So obviously Andy Murray, big talking point. We had his mixed doubles with Serena Williams finally get on court last night. Um, it was delayed from, from the Friday. And they won. They won against uh, Andreas Mies and Alexa Garacci, who I've actually never heard of before. Um, but she seemed to be enjoying it. Uh, I think they were just, you know, their opponents were relishing the like opportunity to play Andy and Serena on centre court. So I think they enjoyed enjoyed themselves. Um, and yeah, that was quite an entertaining match. I, I watched some of that on, on Henman Hill. So uh, everyone was uh, getting behind them and they'll, uh, yeah, live to fight another day. Certainly. I think the interesting question for me is, you know, if Serena does go deep in the singles competition, how seriously is she going to take the mixed doubles competition? Um, you know, how much effort is she going to put in? Because, um, you know, it's, you know, playing two tournaments at one time, getting to the, the latter stages of both of them at the same time, it could, um, you know, there could be a bit of a, a compromise having to be made. I don't know. But um, yeah, at the moment, it's it's all going rather swimmingly. I think there'll be tougher tests to come. Um, but um, yeah, it was great for the crowd. I think it was great for mixed doubles, actually, because, you know, seeing seeing it on the, on the court in front of a sellout crowd, um, you know, I, I did think it felt a bit exhibition-y at times. But um, I think, yeah, it was just a great kind of advert for, yeah, for mixed doubles. Well, I mean, yeah, and it, but it is sad that it has to take Andy Murray and Serena Williams to play in order to get people excited about mixed doubles because... You know, mixed doubles has always been exciting and people should, you know, I just wish more people would appreciate doubles and mixed doubles. Um, you know, it, it's quite a unique thing, isn't it? The mixed doubles, um, especially at Wimbledon, I think there's something about the grass that just makes it even more fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see what they go on to do. I did love that point where Serena, like, I think she slipped over by the net, but then she had to stay on the floor, didn't she, to kind of not get in Andy's way. And she was sort of like scrabbling around and they had like the camera on the net that showed her face while she was doing it. It was just so funny. Um, that was sort of one of the highlights from that. I did notice, Kim, uh, I've got a good question for you, actually. Oh, yeah. Serena actually has won the mixed doubles at Wimbledon before. I think it was when she was 16 years old. But can you name, and actually any, any passing shot listeners as well, 
Can you name her mixed doubles partner when she did win uh, Wimbledon? Oh, so when she was 16. So is she like 37 now? Uh, so it's 21 years ago. So around 2000. Oh, no, gosh, around 90, <laughs> around 97, 98. Am I am I correct in my maths? Ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh, um, mm, first person that's randomly come to mind is Rajiv Ram, but I mean I know he's a bit old, but he's, I don't think he's that old. Um, but he is American. Oh, was it an American player? No, pretty good men's oh. doubles player. Um, ah, okay, not American. Daniel Nestor. No. Leander Page. Um, no. Oh, golly. I'll give, I'll give you a clue. I'll give okay. you a clue. Play, played against Andy Murray in the Olympics mixed doubles. Oh, um, Max Murnie. Yeah. Is that right? Max, yes. Max Murnie. Yeah, it was. Because yeah. it was Murnie yeah. as a rank, wasn't it, against Robson and Murray? Oh, great. Okay. Oh, well, he was an epic doubles player. Yeah. Max Murnie. Well, and also, I mean, Serena has played. Serena's played singles and doubles. You know, she's won both in in the same year. She, you know, won the women's doubles with Venus and the singles, probably at least once. So, um, I think I think she'll be fine. I think she wants matches. She wants to play more. So, um, <laughs> but Andy's out of the men's doubles. We should say they lost to um, Mektic and Skuga, who are the sixth seed. So, Andy and Pierre Ugebert are no longer. Um, which you know a bit of a shame but it just goes to prove you know um what he did with Feli at Queens was was exciting you know maybe their partnership was better they got on well they had more of a chemistry I don't know but like you know it does prove you can't just shove you know Andy Murray into the doubles and expect him to to go all the way like he they came up against a you know experienced top doubles team who had you know too much at the end of the day so um he will only be in the mix from now on so hopefully he'll go far in that um, but also in the mixed doubles, um, we have Evan Hoyt and Eden Silver, British pairing. Um, I've never seen either of them play, but I saw some of their second round match yesterday. And yeah, I was quite impressed, actually. And they came through uh, Stozer and Pays in the first round. So I, I have this weird, wild feeling that they could go quite far and they could make it be a rogue finalist or something. Um We'll, we'll see, but <laughs> they're not the only. Uh, Andy Murray's not the only Brit left in in the doubles side of proceedings. I did notice Kim that uh, I think Jay Clark got a little bit of just desserts with uh, Coco Goff in the mixed doubles because they went out rather meekly <laughs> to um, to Ostapenko and, and Lindstedt, mm. um, which makes you think: Oh, would he have been better off? sticking with Harriet Dart who what do you think Harriet Dart was quite pleased that they lost <laughs> maybe so well exactly well yeah and also Coco Goff was probably thinking you know she's had so much focus you know on the singles so she probably was just thinking okay this is I'm just gonna go out there and have a hit I mean I don't know how much she would have been invested in it but um we've got Joe Salisbury though he is in the men's doubles he's actually our only remaining Brit in the men's doubles and we have no Brits in the ladies doubles left so and actually I have to say I did predict in the preview episode that Joe Salisbury would be the the Brit that would go deepest in the doubles so I'm just gonna like gloat on this on this little prediction here um (laughs) (laughs) and Jamie is still in the mix as well with Bethany Matic-Sands 
Um, I saw them play a tight match actually with Joe Salisbury and Katie Dunn on Friday. And that was really entertaining. It, it could have gone either way, but at the end of it, Jamie and Bethany just had that little bit extra you know, experience, um, you know, when it came, push came to shove at the end of each set. Um, so yeah, I mean, lots going on in the doubles still. Um, and, you know, we've got Venus playing with Francis TFO as well in the mix. So I don't know if it could be an Andy Serena Venus TFO final, because that would certainly be quite exciting. Um, let's just have a look at the matches that we've got. So Manic Monday is coming up tomorrow. Um, everyone is playing. It's crazy because we have the middle Sunday off. So, I mean, who is your standout matches, Joel? Who are you going to be tuning in to see? Uh, well, ob- obviously, uh, Joe Conta, Kvitova, which mm. I, yeah, Kvitova probably is the favourite. But again, Conta's shown us some very, a very high level of tennis this week. You know, apart from kind of that, I guess that blip uh, in the, you know, the first set against Sloane Stevens, she's shown a very high level. And, you know, I'm looking at that quarter. If she can come through Kvitova, Shritskova or Mertens in the quarterfinal, I know. you know, it's cer- know. certainly winnable. Ooh. So... The semi would be either Barty or Serena, <laughs> which would be, um, you know, another kettle of fish. But I mean, yeah, let's just run through actually. Fourth round, Barty, Risk, Serena, CSN, Carlos Suarez, Navarro. So I'm thinking Barty, Serena, Quarter, Stritzkova, Mertens, Conta, Kvitova. Uh, what are you thinking? Stritzkova, Kvitova, perhaps in the quarter. And then Svitolina, Martic, Mukova, Pliskova. Mertens Conta. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd love, I'd love Conta against anyone, but hey, <laughs> <laughs> Svitolina Martic, Mukova Pliskova. So that's an all Czech affair. Mukova Pliskova, two Carolinas. Halep Goff, Zhang Yastremska. So yeah, if Halep can get through Goff, I mean, I'd say Halep for the semi-final. Um, I mean, the final's probably going to be what Pliskova or Halep um, against Barty or Serena. <laughs> um, and then as for the men, we've got Novak Djokovic against Ugo Umber. And then Goffin Vadasco, Raonic, oh, sorry, Ra- Raonic, uh, Peya, Pear Bautista Agu. As we said, uh, one of them's going to get to the semi. So you'd have to go for Raonic, wouldn't you, really, with his, his grass court pedigree. And then Query Sandgren, Rafa against Salza. Nishikori Kukushkin. We forgot to mention Kukushkin. He beat Jan Leonard Struff uh, yesterday. I mean, who would have thought Kukushkin in the fourth round? Um, Federer Berrettini. So, some interesting matchups. I'm. Uh, I think the women's draw. Actually, I'm, I'm actually more intrigued by. Again, I would say that I would say every slam. I, I probably find it more appealing in terms of not knowing what to expect. I, yeah, in terms of the men, I just can't see past a Djokovic, Raonic semi-final yeah. and a Fidel semi-final. Yeah. And then, yeah, for me, for the women, for the women, I think it's a, uh, Bart, Barty Serena quarterfinal could be pretty epic. Mm. Uh, Who would I, I think, I think I'd fancy Barty to come through that. I'm going to go Barty Conta semi-final mm. and uh, Pliskova Hallett. Uh, in the bottom half yeah we will see it could be Mukova Yastremska but there we go um yeah then we've got juniors and wheelchairs all happening this week as well um I did notice in the juniors Toby Kodat lost and he is the half brother of uh Nicole Vidasova 
Um, so he was like the, the name that st- stood out, you know, when I looked at the juniors uh, playing yesterday. But he uh, he's out in the first round. So um, and then, yeah, the wheelchair draws don't even happen until like, I think, Tuesday. So we'll be bringing all the round up from from that. Um, well, in our final pod from Wimbledon. Uh, but we'll be back in a couple of days time to round up the rest of the action over the next couple of days. Um Hope everyone's enjoyed listening. Um, let's uh, let's see how our predictions go, Joel. Um, but fingers crossed that your prediction for Conta will be right. I would love to see her making the semis again at Wimbledon. Let's let's hope and let's pray. Well, I will be anyway for Conta. I'm sure you'll be doing the same for Rafa Nadal. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, our our listeners hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Yeah, we'll be back in a couple of days' time to recap. Start recapping the the second week of Wimbledon. So I hope you can join us then. But for now, thanks for listening and goodbye. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show. We're supported by every one of our fans in the Passing Shot community. If you want to become one of them and get the latest updates from your tennis catch-up service, then all you need to do is follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at PassingShotPod. And if you like what you hear, then why not tell your friends or leave us a rating and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.